Hello and welcome everyone to this edition of the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Peter Bagshaw, GP and Mental Health Lead for NHS Somerset, and I'm joined by my colleague. Hi everyone, I'm Dr Sarah Coop. I'm the Director of Education at the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists. And I'm really excited today to welcome our guest, um, Dr James McFetrick. James, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Thanks for inviting me on. Uh, my name is James McFetrich. I'm now a freelance medical educator, having spent oh, 25 years in the NHS, uh, 20 years of which uh, in emergency medicine. And my educational interests are on what we're going to be talking about today, human factors, uh, but a lot about sort of teamwork, leadership, clinical decision making, uh, and those sort of things, as well as the usual sort of urgent and emergency care clinical things that I'm interested in. Wow, fantastic. So yeah, wealth of experience there. So let's start then by talking a little bit about one of the things you just mentioned and tell us what is human factors? So people might have heard of that term, might not. Just tell us um, in a nutshell, what is human factors? Oh, in a nutshell, do you know, it's one of those things that's really tricky. If you look at anything about human factors, there's paragraphs and paragraphs on it. So my personal way of describing this is Human factors are the things that make any job go well between people. Take out all the structural factors about the number of people you're dealing with. So obviously in the NHS, it's patients, but it could be the number of clients. It could be that your office isn't heated. It may be the IT things. Take all of those issues out of your day that may clearly make it good or bad. And you're left with just those interactions between people. And I find the Easiest way of thinking about that, if you're still struggling, is when you turn up to work and you go, who am I working with today? And you'll go inside, great, it's going to be an all right day. Whatever gets thrown at us, it's going to be okay. Or, oh dear, this really isn't going to be a good day. That often boils down to the human factors and those human interactions between yourself and the rest of the team that you're with. Thanks for clarifying that, James. I I must admit, I didn't know what human factors meant. So I, that's very, very clear. So really, we're talking about interpersonal relationships, aren't we? Yes, it's, it is it is definitely that, absolutely. But it's also a lot about how we manage ourselves and respond to the situations that we're, we're in. So it's uh, it's a lot about that self-management, in, in, especially in an acute situation, which is uh, clearly my area of uh, um, expertise. Um, you may be managing a lot of people and clearly that interpersonal bit is is useful, but it's how you are processing the information that's around you as well. So the other way I think of it is a bit like driving a car. And when things are going well, if you're driving somewhere that you have driven many times, you probably won't be thinking about it that consciously because you're driving away a place you know, you know when you normally change gear. If you take yourself and are driving in a new town, a new situation. You may want to turn the radio down, may want to tell the kids in the back of the car to stop talking. Your level of concentration is that much higher, so you're aware of what's going on, you're aware of how you're responding to the situation. And that is, in a sense, a a change in those human factors about how you're doing an everyday task of driving the car, but you're focusing a lot more on uh, the, the specific situation that you're faced with. Mm, that's really interesting, James. I was just going to say, if you gave us an example, it helps sort of put it in perspective. And that's a really helpful way of thinking about it, isn't it? So there's things that you might do automatically, 
like driving the car but when you put in a different situation you have to be more aware of certain things that you perhaps wouldn't normally think about any other examples that just help people to sort of think about this because human factors as I understand it and I'm not an expert it, I mean there's, there's a whole sort of science behind it a lot of research isn't there and, and a lot of studying in it and particularly in the field that, that the three of us are in as well in medicine there's been a lot um, of, of looking at this when we think about um, errors that happen or mistakes or medical legal issues certainly human factors comes into that can you give another example so the driving the car one's a great one when, when else might people actually, when else might pe- sort of human factors be on, in play for people, but they're not, not aware of them in maybe an everyday situation? So um, a lot of job-related tasks are, are sort of split into knowledge, skills and behaviour. Knowledge is, you know, the, the kind of academic side of things, the things maybe uh, tested on the skills, clearly the practical stuff, and the behaviour is how you put that into everyday life. So, um, oh, I'm thinking off the top of my head now for something that's every day. Uh, I don't know. Let's say you're going shopping, okay? And you know, you go into the supermarket and you know what you want to buy. You maybe have a list, you may be organized. That organization is part of the human factors, is preparing yourself for that task that you've got ahead of you. You've got the skills of steering a trolley round and perhaps the, the, the skill of knowing uh, how to beat the queue, how to find the sort of shortest queue, um, and a lot of that comes with experience. But then your behaviour in the shop, and again, it comes back to that, how you interact with other people. Maybe there's someone standing right in front of the aisle that you want to get through. You've got lots of different ways of managing that behaviour that don't fall into your knowledge of the supermarket, don't fall into your skill of steering those difficult trolleys around, but your behaviour is going to have a massive impact on certainly that relationship you have with someone if they're standing in the way, but also possibly of your whole experience. So if you have a difficult shop, if you like, let's think around Christmas time where it's really, really busy and you can come out, you know, after an hour in the supermarket and go, God, that was awful. You know, why was it awful? And it's not more than just it being a bit busy because it's all about these, how well prepared you were, what time of day it is, how you felt in yourself when you, when you set off. And likewise, you may go, actually, it's fine because you've been well prepared. You're in a better state of mind. Uh, you had lots of interactions with people, but they didn't slow you down from your task. Does that help? Yeah, that's helpful. I think really what we're talking about here as well is are things that we're not always conscious of. So they're things like that would happen to people on an everyday basis and you you um, process situations you get through certain things and like I say sometimes it's stressful sometimes it's not and actually what's gone on what's been what's behind it and makes a difference are these human factors and what came to mind as you were talking was around shopping and shopping lists so one thing that we probably all use maybe to a greater or lesser extent when we go shopping is a list I don't know how many of you have gone shopping thought yeah yeah I've got these three things to 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 buy held them in your head and then you come out the shop and you think oh I've only got two of them and I've ended up with five things I didn't mean to buy and and it's often because we didn't write a list, if, if you're anything like me. Um, so one thing that um, human factors are study of is a lot around checklists, isn't it? Particularly in, in a medical situation and how the use of using a checklist, like using a shopping list, can really help to reduce cognitive load. So I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about cognitive load, because I think that can be quite helpful. You know, for those of us who perhaps... Um, maybe struggle sometimes remembering all the things we need to do or um I've got so many things to do that it is hard to to kind of keep those in mind just is that is that something you can just tell us a little bit about yeah sure so again one of the issues with with human factors is that you can describe things differently all these different subsets so 
my personal preference is just to break it down into four areas and, and cognitive load isn't specifically one of those but does come into one of the four areas which is decision making so whatever you do uh you will have to make decisions in life we know that in just in normal life uh, and certainly in work and often when you become more comfortable and experienced with making decisions and managing the workload in front of you you will often just do things working at very much a, a subconscious level it's type one thinking i think that's been mentioned on the uh, the podcast for all about ways that we think that kind of automatic reflexive this is what i do um and with the cognitive load, you will usually just manage it at a certain level. But if something happens to increase that load, you just have more things to deal with. <laughs> Not a very good way of describing it. Just more stuff on your plate. Then you're going to have to make some decisions. That's what I'm coming around to. And when we make decisions, it's very rare, and especially in medicine, bizarrely enough, that we actually focus on that process of decision making we've got all these things that we need to decide what to do and how do we go through the motions of working out what is a priority prioritization is very important and uh, how do we go through the, the motions of making those quick decisions and the ones that aren't relevant for now but may be causing us some stress and anxiety but we need to put to one side you you mentioned four different areas james do you want to take us briefly through the those areas? Yes, yeah, I, I, absolutely. So, as I say, lots of different areas, but these are the ones that make sense to me. So, supervision and management is the first one. And wherever you are in your pecking order of your organisation, you will always be supervising someone. There'll always be, you know, if you arrive on day one and someone arrives on day two, you may be supervising that person because <laughs> you've got a day's more experience. So, however junior you are, you're always supervising people. And management of your own personal workload and possibly other people. So that's first, supervision and management. Second is teamwork and cooperation. And that's very much this interpersonal relationship. How do we work together as a team? If you're a team leader, clearly there's specific leadership skills and roles that you may have, but also there's team membership, which is important. And underlying this, as in fact underlies all these areas, is communication. So how we communicate to each other in a team is very important. And the use of sort of feedback loops, loops and, uh, and confirmation of tasks achieved. Decision-making, as I've already said, and the issues around that. And my favourite is that situational awareness, uh, which, again, that really applies to the, the car driving analogy of that awareness of the bigger picture of what is going on around you rather than being really task-focused. That's really helpful to think of it in those four areas. Um, I'd really like just to think about the last one, as you just said, is your favourite, the situational awareness. And also just conscious of the podcast to you know that we're talking about emotional well-being and I just wondered what what links you see between how situationally aware if that's a, if that's a term we are and our emotional well-being so yeah and this is fascinating and I have to apologize I have experience in these areas but I can't be quoting papers <laughs> about this um, and certainly from what I see in my everyday clinical work the situation awareness will fall into two categories. And very simply, it's over-awareness or under-awareness. So if you're pottering around doing your job and you're very aware of everything else that's going on, there's someone over on your left who seems to be uh, having a really difficult day. There's someone in front of you who seems to be very argumentative. There's someone else who's really quiet and that's quieter than usual. You may take on those issues 
whatever stage you are in, whatever relationship you have with those people, you may just be very emotionally aware. You may have a leadership role and therefore it's in your interest to understand how these people are going on. But also you, everyone goes to work with their own emotional issues. <clears throat> if you're being over aware and picking up all these other things, that's going to add to your stress and anxiety about how you're managing the day. So that's clearly a major issue. And you can't take on all of that uh, as well as doing your, your sort of normal job. The other issue is that under-awareness of I'm so focused, I've got such tunnel vision on what I'm doing and my tasks. I'm completely unaware of things that may affect my ability to do that job. The person on the left who's having a really difficult day, I'm just about to ask them to do something for me. And if I'm not aware they're having a difficult day, then there's potential conflict that's going to arise and potentially we're not going to be able to uh, complete whatever task we need to do together if I'm unaware of it. So there's a really fine line to be have that awareness of what's going on around you as far as those uh, relationships. Uh, still make sure you can get the task done. And absolutely importantly, see how much of that reflects onto you because all of that will contribute to the, that end of the day feeling. And I think this is the most important thing with human factors is that that end of the day, when you finish your job, are you going to leave going, wow, I was completely overwhelmed all day and therefore clearly carry that home and the, the issues, as we know, with sort of general well-being? Or are you going to leave going, do you know, that was busy, it was difficult, but I've managed it okay because I've struck the right balance between understanding how I fit into everyone else's emotional status that day. I think we can all relate to that. That's a really helpful and interesting way of looking at things. And obviously, to some extent, that will reflect people's personality, won't it? Whether they're very focused or aware of others. But what can we do if we notice that we're either being too distracted by what's going on around us or too task focused? How how can we change our own way of dealing with this? So the first thing to say is that awareness. And I think one of the biggest difficulty human factors uh, is people aren't aware of it. So it really ties into, you know, all these things you, you guys have discussed so well, the, uh, that, that mindfulness, that being in the moment, that understanding what's going on around you, to then decide, and this links to the decision-making as well, I guess, how involved do you need to get with these other things that are around you and how is it affecting your personal task? You can't take on everybody's issues but you will need to acknowledge them to be able to progress for your task and the team's task of that day. So something along the lines of, once you're aware of something, just taking that moment to how much do I need to engage with this issue that this other person is having? Because if you notice somebody who's having a bad day and you know you're not going to work with them that day and they're going to walk past, then it's purely a, a personal thing whether you decide, right, I need to have a, a chat with them because I want to, because I care about them and I've got time to. But it may be at times how difficult it is to go, do you know that person's having a difficult day, but I've just walked past them in the corridor. I can't take that on because I may walk through the next door and have people that I, I need to engage with all day who are having a difficult day. So it's really tricky, but trying to take that step back and understanding what you need and almost being a bit selfish about what you need and your team needs to work out who you need to engage with. 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting, isn't it, that these things are complex, aren't they? That it's not, it's not cut and dried often, or it's not sort of really sort of straightforward. And I think how you've explained that really helps us to understand sometimes that complexity of why we maybe feel at the end of the day overwhelmed, um, and other days maybe less so. I'd just like to think a little bit more about the team. So as you said, you know, we might be over aware or under aware, and I sometimes think of it then as over-functioning or under-functioning depending on how we then respond to that and as you said awareness is so helpful isn't it because once we're aware of things and we're aware of a situation and aware of ourselves and our perhaps conditioned responses to things we recognize then we have got that choice like you said you go down the corridor you can choose to to respond to somebody in a certain way or actually recognize you need to conserve your energy or your needs differently just thinking about team well-being I mean you mentioned um sort of team leadership and and, and or, or sort of one of the things you were thinking about was you know the management and supervision and you know that's really important just thinking talk, talk us a little bit more about sort of how human facts might play out in a team perhaps if we think about um and this might apply to most of, of the listeners you know working in a situation in a team when something goes not quite to plan what sort of what sort of things might be relevant for us to learn from human factors and then think what we can do differently or the choices we have ourselves in those situations when something goes wrong or not to plan so uh things not going to plan are, are, are tricky because once you notice that something's not going to going to plan you've got to rectify that situation and certainly in our case for patients clearly make sure the right thing's happening to the patient but while that is ongoing you will have people responding to that not going well and reacting in ways that clearly may be quite quite varied and then you've got the sort of mop-up afterwards, the sort of debrief, which is clearly a lot easier once you're out of that pressured situation to go around to people and, and find out how they're getting on. So if in the situation you've got these two things going on, you need to manage your team, but you also need to manage the team's task. It's not gone to plan and you want to try and rectify that. Try and delegate people just to look after that. And it may be that you need to think broadly or just step back a bit and go, actually, this all feels really urgent now to manage my team and this task but often it isn't um and i think i can say that fairly comfortably dealing with a lot of urgent stuff in my clinical practice that very few things <laughs> don't tell everyone very few things that are really 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 urgent that most of the time you can find a couple of minutes and i think that's what i developed in my practice was just understanding that yes this is important and going on but it's also important to manage my team and therefore just in 30 seconds, taking someone to one side, how are you getting on, acknowledging that there's an issue, and also giving them the opportunity for that quick vent. And along with that saying, we will sort this out later, but now's not the time. Um, it, it, I've certainly come across if I've not had that acknowledgement of there being a problem at that time, because I've been tied up in a task. Um, and it does come back and, and bite you potentially later on down the line, because there's unresolved issues there. Yeah, and that ties very much into well-being as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it affected long term where things have not been resolved, or where the situation didn't go well, either at work or at home, or or out in the in the in the public sort of arena, and we we felt part of that, and we didn't get that chance to sort of to either put things right or didn't have a chance to talk to somebody about it afterwards. And the situation you just talked about then really reflects several of the four things you mentioned: the supervision and management, so and then good communication skills, and and like you say, sort of taking that taking that time, that sort of awareness recognizing that actually we need to pause and I think for well-being generally 
that is a really a useful reminder, isn't it, to all of us, that sometimes we just need that space, that space just to stop, to think, to kind of collect ourselves, to sort of self-manage before we make a, a decision. And I've often thought to myself, I can either react or respond. If I react, it's probably coming from that automatic place, which isn't usually the best. Or I can respond more logically, more calmly, more choicefully. I don't know, Peter, if there's anything you wanted to add to that. Yes, and I, I was um, thinking, Sarah, that, you know, we, we often talk, don't we, about being mindful and being aware of situations and so on. But we started off talking about cognitive overload. And it, it, as somebody who maybe is more towards the, the neurodivergent end of it and very task orientated, thinking about that in itself adds to our cognitive overload in that it's another thing to think about as well as the task ahead. So I suppose I'm I'm looking for reassurance, James, that this extra effort of being aware of how much we're focusing on the task and the team around it, us it, is worth it, it, investment, investment is definitely the key word. Can you convince me? Things are are never going to run smoothly for throughout our career. Um, and I, I guess it is unfortunately one of those things that is, is best explained with experience. But the the time put in doesn't need to be huge for the recipient to get a great deal out of it. So if, as you say, you, you're very task-focused, just understanding that uh, literally 10 seconds of, you know, I don't want to sort of create a script for people to say, but something along the lines of, I, I see that you're having difficulty or I see you've been affected badly by what is currently going on. That's okay. Important to acknowledge that's okay. We will talk about this. Uh, and do you know, it's best for me if we arrange a time and then the, the onus is on that person. If you want to talk about it more, you arrange a time with me and then I, I don't need to worry about it. They may or may not go back in touch with me. Or to be able to say, if it's, again, in that acute situation, a cup of tea, and I know it's very British, but, you know, I can see this affecting you. Why don't you sit down, have five minutes, have a cup of tea? And often people, you think, oh, there's going to be loads to unpick here. They go away, have a cup of tea, maybe talk to someone else about it, maybe get their breath back, understand what's going on. And they will come back and go, oh, do you know, I just needed that time off. And sometimes, clearly, as a uh, as a superior, it's, it's good to get... Um, a good habit of being able to say it's fine to have a cup of tea but i think any colleague should be able to say to any other colleagues you look like you need five minutes to have a cup of tea and it, it really is restorative to get out of that moment it is that bit of mindfulness um and just to sit down and work things through and genuinely 90 percent of the time when i've offered that people have come back and said oh do you know I, i've kind of worked it out or I'm fine to carry on for the rest of the shift and we'll catch up later about it. So it doesn't always need to pile up things on your plates when you're clearly already uh, busy and and have lots of other tasks on the go. That's really helpful. I think it's just a really good reminder, isn't it, to, yeah, to take that space, to stop, to think, to pause. Um, at regular times throughout the day, it made me think about um, the fact that I think some research has been done on athletes and um, you know top performing athletes and how they can't perform all the time at that level without built in recovery time. So we know when we watch tennis matches, obviously that that regular recovery time. But sometimes when we're at work or when we're at home, really you know managing some tricky situations, we think we've got to kind of be on the go all the time until that job's done. But actually, and this is a real challenge. Um, to think about but how people can build in a little bit of recovery time in their work on a regular basis in order to get back into performance 
refreshed and with perhaps a, a different state of mind. And and that's the other thing that it made me think about was that sometimes just taking a break, just pausing, going and, and grabbing a hot drink, it just breaks your emotional state, doesn't it, from one of that real intensity to actually being able to sort of come back from a different perspective and then come back in. And that shift in perspective can be helpful. I'm conscious of, of time because we've we've um, had a really great discussion and I just wanted to sort of think for the last few minutes really just if people haven't heard of human factors before or perhaps this has just been a, a reminder for those who have, have heard about it um what sort of things might you sort of suggest to people that they they look at that might give them a little bit more information is there any anything else that any other top tips or anything else people where people can go to to find out a bit more okay uh well my personal summary of, of all of this is you just need to strive to be the best person that you can be so I genuinely have difficulty doing some of this stuff I need to get myself into a position of being a nice person <laughs> I'm not that I'm a horrible person but you know what I mean I'm the sort of person who I'll go and, and meet people in the team and I'll think right today we need to do this and the other so that'll be my conversational starter but I've forced myself over the years to People want to know, hi, how are you doing? And have a bit of a chat and try and remember something about people. Uh, and that's not natural to me, but you can learn it if you like. Um, and uh, funnily enough, it's a really good thing and you get with people better and people smile more. Uh, so you can know what you should be doing and still aim to try to, to do that. Being the best that you, you can be, that you know the sort of person that uh, you, you ought to be in that situation is a really simple way of trying to get on top of these human factors and not just interpersonal relationships but uh jobs lists yeah i hate making lists of things to do i'm just awful at them but i know if i do them actually there's a part of my brain that will then forget about things on that list because it's on a list i don't need to keep thinking about it every 10 minutes or what else have i got to do so i'm not making good i don't naturally make lists but i do do them to offload some of this information as far as other stuff other than me just waffling on. Uh, one uh, website that I really quite like um, is called humanfactors101.com. Uh, I'm not paid to say anything about them, but it's just one of those things that is very readable. Um, in fact, its opening words are, we're all human. And uh, that, to me, is just a far easier way of getting into what human factors is all about rather than some textbooks and some papers on human factors can be quite dry and, and turgid to be honest uh, so i can thoroughly recommend that uh, and as always google human factors and whatever area you work in or the specifics you want to find out about and you will find uh, a wealth of uh, comments and blogs about it um most of the more professional, the kind of next level of uh, courses and interests are, are, tend to be very specific to the work that you're in. So I wouldn't want to recommend anything specifically um, uh, outside the NHS. Within the NHS, there is um, uh, there's a, a various, like I say, quite dry, should we say, uh, human factors in healthcare um uh, documents uh, that have been produced that are interesting and they are peppered with patient stories uh, that you may find uh, of interest um but you need to sort of sit down with quite a strong cup of tea to uh, uh, fully get into all of that 
Yeah, thanks very much, James. I think, as you were saying, about reminding yourself to be the best person that you can be, I think, and just a little caveat to that is, with the resources that you have at that moment, and I think that's really important, isn't it, that, you know, as we said, sometimes you're walking down the corridor, and normally you might stop and have a chat with somebody, but actually sometimes you just know that you need, you haven't got that capacity right then, or you haven't got the the, the energy to do that. But it's like, what can you do in those moments to, to keep on, you know, there's building those connections, and um, looking out for people in your team, you know, supervising appropriately, trying to manage the things that are within your control and remaining aware of the situation but you know ultimately looking after your well-being because in the day we're responsible for ourselves I think that's really really helpful certainly talking with you has reminded me of some of those things particularly around um as I sort of called it the cognitive load and cognitive bandwidth and just being conscious when I feel overwhelmed in order to sort of get back on track with well-being it is often helpful as you said to make lists of well, what is in my, on my mind and what do I need to sort of put down and then how do I focus Peter just as to wrap up what's one thing that you're going to take away from the conversation today well, I found that really interesting, James, and I've gone on a journey from knowing nothing about human factors to to acknowledging its importance. I, I I was slightly worried that the message was "be the best you can be" because that raises expectations. So I was very relieved that your your final message to us was "it's okay to be human and <laughs> imperfect." <laughs> That's the message I'll take away. I don't know what message you'd like me to take away, James. Do you want to have the last word? Uh, no, just exploring human factors in whatever area of work or play, I think is really interesting and well worth, uh, you know, half an hour or so of just sort of looking around the internet to see what you can find that is of specific interest to you and see what journey it takes you on. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, James, for being a fascinating guest. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, for co-hosting, the first of many, I hope. And uh, thank you to our listeners for listening. I hope you found that interesting. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.